Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program we have Ava King. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Ava about uh, her upcoming album, uh, Sex Money God, and uh, we dig into that a bit. Uh, things that kind of led into uh, the creation of the album, some you know, kind of where she's at right now in uh, you know in her uh, kind of self worth place. Uh, a lot of you know that that sort of thing. It was a really great conversation. Uh, we'll bring Ava in here in just a, a moment. Um, it feels good to kind of dust off the interview chops uh, a little bit. I haven't done an, uh, an interview for probably a month and a half, two months. Uh, starting last year, I started taking most of the winter off uh, to pursue my duck hunting hobby, which um, I'm really passionate about. It takes a, a good amount of my time. I think I got out for like 19 hunts or something this season, uh, somewhere 1920, somewhere around there. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And this season as a whole just ended for me. Um, I ended at 27 ducks or something, so not a great amount. Uh, overall, it's been a rough season for many duck hunters, uh, but uh, but it's always fun to get out and see the sunrise and see the birds flying and be a part of that and continue to kind of just immerse myself in that culture. Uh, it's something I really love. So I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, and uh, so that took my time, but, um, but I'm ready to kind of get back into some interviews here and there. And uh, I was my first back. We did just have uh, the 10th anniversary of Concert Pipeline, uh, where we went through a bunch of moments that are really memorable over the past 10 years and special to me for different reasons. Uh, and we talked about my, uh, the concert I went to down in Anaheim, something corporate, where uh, they had a uh, reunion of sorts uh, uh, for some New Year's Eve shows. It was a lot of fun. So you can check out that out, the last episode of Concert Pipeline. Um, and, uh, and so I think we're going to keep, keep the train rolling with uh, some more interviews coming up. Um, but, uh, we're about to get into Super Bowl um, in a couple of weeks. I'm um, hoping the 49ers will make it in. They're about to uh, play in an hour uh, as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, so uh, not sure right now uh, if they made it or not, but we'll find out. Uh, and maybe I'll flash it on the screen uh, <laughs> uh, when, uh, as to w whether they actually did or didn't. But um but yeah, that's just kind of what's going on with, with me, keeping busy and keeping keeping at it and dealing with kids stuff and uh, trying not to overwhelm myself by taking on too much. So uh, we might have a, an episode every other week or so uh, to, to get things kick, cooking again. Hard to know. I'll get them as they, they come in. Um, all right. So let's bring Ava in. Um, again, she's uh, a, a musician. We could talk to her a lot about her craft and her new album, uh, Sex, Money, God. Uh, her showcase in, uh, at Upright Citizens Brigade that's coming up. Uh, it was directed by uh, Christopher Renfro uh, and more. Um, let's bring Ava in. Hey, how are uh, you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Ava? How's your day treating you so far? So far, yeah, so far so good. Um, yeah, very, very grateful for your time today. Um, and yeah, I would say I just actually got off a, a somatic sensing workshop so i'm just trying to see like okay i'm do doing the woo thing of like how do i really feel in my body um yeah and just <laughs> excited but also a little bit you know there's a lot of stuff going on right now it's a little bit overwhelmed but all good yes and how are you feeling in your body oh yeah good ask um 
that was like the whole it's like it's so it's so interesting um a little bit i'd say a little bit tense a little bit nervous how about yourself yeah. i'm you know, feeling pretty comfortable it's i'm feeling you know not as relaxed in my body i don't know it, today anyway right now it's a busy, it's a pretty busy day and i just uh, yeah. i haven't slowed down uh, uh, yet today really i uh, started started out you know around 3 a.m getting out for a duck hunt and uh wait what's a duck hunt duck hunting ducks uh, wow wait so like actually shooting ducks yeah i mean that didn't really happen today because it's, uh -huh. there were not not many flying i i did more of it yesterday it's kind of my okay. win, winter hobby sort of thing and uh uh and today was the last day of the season when there were not many flying so it's uh, got not it, great got but, it. But, well getting up at 3 a.m is very difficult so great job <laughs> you know it's worth it it's great to see the sunrise and uh mm -hmm. yeah be out, be out there with the birds flying it's it's pretty cool that's cool yes. awesome yes yes so uh so you're in new york is that right i'm currently in la i live LA. in los angeles yeah how about yourself um i'm up north i'm uh, outside of in between sacramento and san francisco okay okay yeah. very cool yeah yeah i have some good friends up in up in like Al alameda like near san francisco yeah. so yeah the yeah. weather's awesome up there i lived in alameda a little bit growing up too so it's a, it's a, it's a really really nice area for sure nice yeah. nice yes so when when did you move to la you used to be in new york right yeah yeah well so i grew up in france um and then i left when i was 17 to go to college in new york and then after a few years there i then left to china yeah. for it was it wasn't supposed to be that long but then it ended up kind of becoming 10 years yeah so yeah and mm -hmm. oh no go ahead yeah yeah and then um sort of in my late 20s early 30s i was just like okay am i gonna be living here forever uh and with my ex at the time we'd just broken up and i was like it's now or never you gotta gotta get back to the roots so then i decided to move to the states i lived i tried new york for a while just because i was familiar with it from college but it didn't really it, I don't know why it didn't really agree with me. And then when I came to LA for the first time, I don't know if you have this feeling about places, but I've always kind of been very intuitive about like, oh, this this place feels like home right now. So yeah. I'm gonna just lay my roots here. Um, yeah. Yeah. The right now piece is interesting to me. So I mean, because you can kind of are you the type of person who could kind of make any place home, or do you does it take a longevity in a location? Do, is it the people around you that make it feel like home? What is it for you? That's a really great question. Um, you know, I don't know. There's just this deep. I've I've done. I think it's like something about when the plane lands. Yeah. When the plane lands, there's just a feeling in my body. And when I, when it was time for me to leave China, it was kind of really clear because when the plane would land in China, I would just feel this like, oh, I don't think this is home anymore, kind of a feeling. Yeah. And then when the plane landed, but, but it, for, but for a while, when I was in my early twenties, every time the plane landed in China, um, I was like, oh, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be right now. Um, so it's kind of that. Yeah. So I, I don't think I can't. I don't, I mean, I'd had, I'd have to try to have the plane land in like 150 countries to, to yeah. test this hypothesis, but I, I think, 
I think it's, I don't know. I think my body feels a little bit like a homing pigeon. Like, okay, right now there is only one place to call home. Um, yeah. And so, and I, I don't know about you, but it takes me, it takes me a long, long time to make friends mm, in a yeah, space. Yeah. I, I, like, I can get that. Yeah. 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 It is really, as my age, as I get older, it is also just, just takes a longer and longer time to make friends. So I think, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't think, I don't take moving lightly anymore. No, most of my friends I've had for 15 or more years. So when, when a new one comes in, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That's uh you know, I'm not against having new friends, but just, I'm used to the, the ones I've had for so long. And that's kind of, yeah. it's kind of transition a little bit at this point though, you know I mean? For, for me. So uh, I'm, mm. yeah, I've had more in the past couple of years, but before that it was like, anybody over 10 years you know everybody else is over 10 years all my closest friends right so i love that i think i i've made a lot of i think over the last few years i've been changing a lot a lot a lot and it's been really interesting to see like i've had periods over the last few years in la where i had like almost no friends it was really crazy and i was like what the fuck is going on and then from that space, like new people came in and I think it was just a reflection of like, oh, me as a person changing and evolving and acquiring new skill sets um, or new belief systems. So maybe you're yeah. also in a period of transition and change or. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about China because you mentioned it a couple of times. You, uh, you were sure. a, a TV host in China, but you kind of fell into that uh, a little bit. Like, tell me about that that change for you in kind of that transition. You didn't, you didn't go out to be a TV host. You wanted to be in a, a musical artist on TV, right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Such a great question. Um, yeah. Originally when I came to China, <laughs> I had even set up this blog called watch me become a pop star in China. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was kind of to, to, to kind of document that journey. That was my Chinese blog. And, I was really set on becoming a singer. And then I had a friend, I mean, this story could have ended so badly, but it ended really well for me. But I had a friend who was like, Hey, I have a friend. He's holding auditions in a hotel room at, at midnight tonight. Do you want to go? And I'm like, I don't know, 21. I'm like, yeah, what's the problem with that? No problem. So, yeah. It's like, that's not weird at all. So I show up and they were actually holding auditions and I was like, I'm here for the audition for the singer. And they were like, oh no, that's not a thing. We're like auditioning for TV hosts. And and I was just like, what is that? And <laughs> and he was like, he's like, and it was, this was all in Chinese. And he's like, you know, your Chinese is, is, is pretty okay. Like, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, maybe. And he's like, well, where's your one sheet? You know, and I'm just like, what is a one sheet? And he's like, he pointed to me at this pile of one sheets that he had from like hundreds of people that was like perfectly designed with like professional pictures and everything. And I was like, yeah, I really don't have that right now. And he's like, okay, well, we'll call you in a few days. And he actually did. And I got the part. So then that, yeah. that began, that was like a, what I didn't know. Cause I didn't know anything about TV or anything. Yeah. I didn't know that, um, that channel was like, it was a regional channel in Hunan, but it was under, it was under the umbrella of the biggest, one of the biggest channels in the country. And though, so I got, 
because I was really not a TV host, I went, I started filming pilots for them. And then I got immediately fired because I was just so bad at doing yeah. something that I'd never learned how to do. Big surprise. And, but the, but the day, my kind of my last day of filming the pilot, the a producer from the national, the bigger station, the national station came and they watched me and they were like, oh, we want her on our new show. And then that show ended up being like, it was one of the most watched shows the whole summer wow. in China. Yeah, so that, that show kind of ended up being like the top three. Like sometimes it would be the most watched show of that weekend was that show. And so it was so weird because I went from, I mean, mind you, I still had absolutely no skills as a TV host. It was so weird. And so there was even a petition online to get me off of the show because I was so bad. It you were like not, whole... not a fan, huh? Are you? <laughs> no, no. But I learned something really important then, which is something a host told me, which is she was like, you know how you win this game, Ava. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. She's like, if everybody likes you, you've lost. She's like, if everybody doesn't like you, you're halfway there. She's like, the best thing, half of the people like you, half of the people hate you, then you are going to be super big. So it's it interesting. Was, we're, we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, it's because it's all about like kind of that buzz. But it was really weird because originally when I went to China, my my family or my father and stepmother were quite against the idea. They were just like, this is an awful idea. Why are you going to a third world country? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then when they came to visit me that first summer after that show, suddenly I was like a household name. And so at, like people on the street would come up and ask for pictures with me, me to sign their name. And it was so weird for them. They were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> are you? So that kind of, that kind of began my, my decade of just being in TV. And also like gratefully, I mean, the, the thing is, is once people know your name and your face, it doesn't matter what you do. Like I wasn't an actress. I was acting in lots of stuff. I thought I wanted to be a singer and I got lots of opportunities to sing on really big stages. So it was really, it was really cool. I mean, behind the scenes, right there. I mean, I had an eating disorder. My mental health was awful. I was very miserable and lonely and all of that stuff that happens when you become famous, when you absolutely have no, no mental health or self-esteem like backing you up. Like that was awful. But on the surface, it was like, oh, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, you had a lot of growth during that period, got to learn a lot about your yourself and kind of uh, that culture. And, but then also scratch that itch of being able to, to sing a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say actually spiritually and mentally, I kind of devolved because mm -hmm. when kind of when you're like, when, when you're, when your materialistic life, like when you don't have the spiritual maturity to right size things, then very quickly when you get things that other people want, your ego just takes over. Yeah. And that kind of becomes your persona. So it's all about ego. Um, and it's there, there, there wasn't really, it was a very cold. It was a very cold life, if that makes any sense. Like, I got to yeah. stay at the Ritz Carlton and fly in first class and do all these things, but it was very, very lonely because I didn't, um, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't have the mental health 
like background. So my growth, so I think I devolved <laughs> mentally, but I think like the last few years when I came to the States, like it was just a huge ego shift where nobody knew me. I was starting from scratch. I was singing, like I went from singing in, in stadiums to just singing at coffee shops where nobody would listen to me. Yeah. Like, and that was such a great breakdown to happen for me to just be like, oh, like who am I? without all of these things. And that's kind of the theme of my show that's coming up, the Sex yeah. and God show and the album is like, it's like, oh, I thought, I thought it was about fame and success and all the things that the American dream sells us as women, right? And being thin, beautiful or whatever. But who am I without, without any of that? Like, can I find meaning in life? You know, is there, is there another form of nurturance that, that I can get other than the, the ego hit of this is what I like, this is who I am on the outside, right on Instagram. Yeah. Would you say there's more resources here in the States to kind of help people with uh, with those challenges that you experience with the eating disorders, with the mental uh, well-being, with the kind of finding that, that balance for yourself versus, you know, in, yeah. in China? That's such a great question. Yeah, I think there's definitely more resources. I mean, I was really lucky. I, I kind of, I didn't know this when I moved to L.A., but LA is like the Mecca of 12 step programs. Right. And yeah. I grew up, you know, I, I grew up in a, in an, we'll, we'll just call it a, an interesting household. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot of things that I learned or coping mechanisms that I learned from generations and generations and generations of people. I mean, it's not just my parents, it's their parents and their parents and their parents. Right. But things that I've learned that really don't, just don't serve joy and happiness and connection, right? They're all about, a lot of it was like survival mode and protection, right? And so coming to LA, like getting into a bunch of different 12-step programs to kind of learn to heal that heal that fear, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's good. Um, so let's talk about um, kind of where you found your voice musically. Like, what were some of your influences early on? Were your parents' influences at all in a musical sense? Or uh, did you have yeah. other outside influences? Yeah, I would say it's so, and I'm really enjoying your questions, by the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, uh, the, yeah, my, my early influences were musicals, like Disney, and then just singing in the rain. Um, I, I was one of one, like, I think I was, I grew up in France, but I was still an MTV child. Yeah. Um, Britney Spears is a big one. Yeah. And then, but I, I think, I think it's interesting. I think as I've, I've been growing the last few years, yeah, I'm just kind of realizing that, oh, the music, the music was always really important for me, but also very important for me was writing. And so I was a journalist for a little while in, in college. Um, and so it's really cool. I think, I think it's really cool through this show to kind of scratch the itch of like getting to write a story and, and make some songs. Okay. And so uh, Sex Money God, did you, did that start as like a, a show for you or did it start as an album? How, tell me about how that was born. Yeah. Yeah. Sex Money God, it started the first song I wrote on the album was Father Harvey. Actually, mm -hmm. I don't know what that song's called anymore. Is it Daddy Harvey it's, or Father Harvey? I don't know. It's, it's Father Harvey last, from what I saw, yeah. Yeah, nice, <laughs> <And> cool. <okay. laughs> Thank you for it. <laughs> and the Harvey is, Wein, is Weinstein, right? Wein, like, yes, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just, 
I think the album, it really, it, it, it just really is the story of me coming out of everything I thought I needed to be to survive and to be loved. And so the beginning of the album, the songs are kind of thematic. The beginning of the album is kind of songs that I wrote when I was still in my disease and in the darkness. And, and sort of as the album goes through, then I'm, I sort of discovered like, oh, something bigger that I could rely on that wasn't myself, right? And I don't know, there's different names for it. Some people call it God, some people call it intuition, what, whatever floats everybody's boat. Um, so yeah, so I think the first song I wrote was Father Harvey. And at the, at the moment when I wrote Father Harvey, I think I was listening to Kendrick Lamar's album, not the new one, but the one previous. I don't remember the name, but um, I was kind of listening to the analysis of that album on this podcast called Songwriting, I don't know, Songwriting Plus or something like a podcast where they analyze sort of like the writing like or the intention. And I was just really inspired by how, I, I think I was really inspired by how his album was really telling a story like there was something, there was something deeper to it. Not that there's anything wrong with love songs, like love mm -hmm. songs are great. I listen to a lot of them. I love straight down the middle pop and Korean pop and all of that. Right. But I, I've just always been like, oh, I wanted, I wanted to say a little bit, I wanted to say different things with my music. And so at the time when I wrote Father Harvey, I was just really in this anger. I was recovering from my eating disorder and I was in so much anger at like, you know, why, yeah, why did I, why did I believe this for so long? You know, yeah. like, why is, why did I do this to my body, you know, and kind of realizing that, oh, there, there's these, there's these gods that I had, that I had worshipped at the expense of myself and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, I don't know Harvey Weinstein personally, you know, although I think I yeah. did meet him once. Oh, really? I think I did meet him once. Sorry, let me just not. I have to turn my phone off. Um, I was at a, I used to be a publicist for a movie company called uh, Hawaii Brothers. And we went to Cannes together. And I think we had a meeting with the Weinstein brothers that oh, I was at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I got, I got actually got reprimanded at that meeting because I was doing a bad job of, of translating. And anyway, oh, really? Yeah, I was very, oh my God, my 20s, I was so entitled. I was so entitled. It was interesting. Yeah, um, but, yeah they're, they're wrong, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, what did you say? Oh, I was just saying that, uh, those that were reprimanding you were wrong, right? So. Oh, <laughs> well, I, yeah, exactly. They were probably, my, my boss was probably in the wrong. No, I mean, I was, anyway, that's, that's the story yeah. for another time. My, yeah, my sure. 20s, I'm just like, oh, but, um, but I think there was, you know, Harvey Weinstein is kind of this representation of like this, this figure of power that I think a lot of, a lot of women, or I'll talk for myself, right. For me to become power adjacent, right. I kind of saw as like, Oh, I need, I need to become powerful in my life. The best way to become powerful is to become power, power adjacent, rich adjacent. So I, mm -hmm. I figure out what that type of powerful person wants. And then I just mold myself into that. So that was kind of a, a song and, and the lyrics of the song are like, so it was, it was, I write a lot of my songs from 
from this darker place person in me yeah that because i like she's a part of me this like really dark really diseased really greedy narcissistic and actually my show is all from her perspective like okay narcissistic, super greedy like i call her like kim jong-un meets paris hilton oh wow okay that's a combo (laughs) (laughs) the worst so i write a lot of my music because i because I have that part in me and I don't know what it is in me that I just feel like, oh, that part of me, she just needs expression. Like she needs to come out. And so that song was really from the point of view of like, of like, oh, that part in me that made that powerful person my God, right? And like, what's my relationship with a powerful person and Harvey Weinstein kind of being the representation of that. And so is that like throughout this album, this, that this, this is all part of you uh, because I know the, the next song on the album, Let's Make a Porn, is like a character that's trying to imitate a, uh, a porn star to kind of win a, win a guy over, right? Oh, yay! I'm so happy because <laughs> sometimes when I write lyrics, I'm like, I don't even know if people are going to understand this. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's cool that you understood it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so is it kind of more this? I guess what 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 percentage of it is like fictional character versus what's inside of uh, of you or kind of this piece yeah. of, that's a part of you? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's such a great question. Um, like, I think most of, most of the songs that come from that character, it's it's stuff I, maybe I have done, you know, there's, there's part of me and I don't know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to be an op- as open book as possible, but there is part of me that thought, you know, when you, when you don't really grow up with the self-esteem that you need, it is really like, how can I get love from the outside world? You know, there's this deep yearning for, for love. Like, I think in everyone, right? Everybody has a deep yearning for love and nurturance. And sometimes yeah. you grow up in, in systems that teach you what that feels like. So you don't need to go and look at it, look for it in outside external things. But sometimes you grow up in systems or through no fault of your parents, right? Um, you or or something might have happened in your childhood that just that that just you just didn't get that compass that a lot of people are born with that tells you north, south, east, west. You're just like, right. oh, I don't, I don't know what it feels like to be loved, but but this feels, but but attention feels good, or right. money feels good, right? And so so I think I don't like the the let's make a porn song was kind of for me when I, I had a few relationships that I just felt for 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 them porn was a big part of their life and so when they approached me and and me being like extremely codependent it was always like oh what how can I change to meet your needs how can I change so that I make sure that I get loved right um and so when they came into that fold, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. So being pornographic in bed is something that's desirable. Like, let, yeah, yeah. Put, let putting, me, on a, let, putting on a show and yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me see how I can make this happen, right? But at the expense of any pleasure to myself as a woman, right? Because then a lot of it just becomes like, oh, well, what do they, what do they want, you know? Um, so yeah so i don't know if that answered your question 
Yeah, and even you kind of, kind of segue into the the money piece with I do it for the likes because I mean we it's not just the parent influence it's you know it's societal that kind of influences you in that sense too right we have the, the Facebook and Instagram and all these uh, um, social media platforms that and uh, YouTube and everything like you you want to get uh, all these likes and hits and uh, and kind of all that kind of positive feeling like of like oh so people are um, are acknowledging your present presence and are are actually kind of kind of there you're 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 kind of getting acknowledged in a sense right yeah yeah i mean i think a lot yeah and and i'm i'm very grateful thank you it sounds like you've listened to the songs with with intention so i'm really grateful for your time with that um but i think i i think a lot of the like a lot of the album is kind of making sense of this perversion of instincts like as human beings as animals it's you know nature has provided us with this feedback loop in our brains that you know we need nurturance we need connection right so when we get it we get some hormonal i don't know what we get right but probably some oxy oxytocin no oxytocin wait which was which is the hormone that is it oxytocin yeah i think i'm getting it right the the love hormone basically i think so We'll go or the affection yeah. hormone. I just wanted, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't talking about narcotics. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's, uh, it, it's a different oxy, I think. So <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and so, you know, and 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 so, and so, but I think for people, and and I I qualify. I'm not a substance addict, but I'm a behavior addict. So I yeah. describe myself as an addict. So addiction is just is an addict is just really somebody who's who's trying to get the nurturance met but doesn't but hasn't ever had nurturance and so they 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 get the chemicals from the outside world but through but it's the equivalent of fast food it's like the equivalent of like oh i could have like a really nourishing meal with protein and greens and like all of that that would make me feel really nourished i could also eat fast food but yeah. then i wouldn't feel as good and so the 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 i do it for the likes i i feel like I feel like we've kind of with with social media we've kind of per, like perverted the human brain where we're we're so primed for connection and then we and then the having getting the likes like it provokes this chemical reaction in our brain but it's not really nurturing connection it's like no it's not real semblance. It's, yeah yeah so it's the equivalent of drinking salt water right yeah. it's like you feel like something but like you always want more and that's really the addiction right like oh we feel this feels good but but it's but but deep down it's not the real thing and so i think that social media kind of really makes use of like that loophole in human brains oh yeah yeah for sure it drives it and uh, and especially with younger uh i mean my daughter's 13 and uh mm. and, and she doesn't have social media um we haven't let her on on there but she's amazing abs absolutely well we've held off this long but, oh. but, she, but she's absolutely addicted to her her phone and like it's all just she doesn't know how to operate really without it and it's uh and it's just this thing that's just driven and i wish there was a way to get rid of it and i feel like i have no control over it and everything but yeah but. it's it's hard i don't you know i'm not i'm not a parent but as a parent i wouldn't I wouldn't know how to navigate this world because you know you're from what i understand like probably everybody else has cell phones right and that's the yeah. way that 
kids the societal pressure and everything and yeah exactly yeah. like if you don't if you don't let them have it then you're you know then they're not normal at, uh, at school right like they're not they're not able to interact yeah. with their friends in the way that they are you know that this generation does and what do you do with that it's like i don't know i mean i assume she's going to be have to make her own decisions and figure it out for herself but yeah, oh, that's, that's but so, you think yeah. think about that that's so difficult yeah. as a parent yeah got to make a lot of decisions that's hard yeah um and then on the the god side self-love um is uh it's kind of your exploration for that right i mean it's kind yeah. of what we've been, it's kind of what we've been talking about this this whole time right is really finding a place where you're comfortable in yourself and you're not having to be someone you're not uh like for other people and uh and that's where yeah thing. yeah yeah i think my intention when writing the song because the last few years have really been about this exploration of like okay well if 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 what i thought was nurturance and love is not like if everything mm -hmm. i thought was that was love is not actually love it's just like a perversion mm -hmm. of love or something that i've I, I use to feel loved, right? Like what is actual love? Like what does that actually feel like? You know, and a lot of, a lot, like a lot of it is like, I, I felt like a fish that if you, if you tell the fish, well, just, just go and find air and the fish has never seen air, you know? So like, what does the fish do? And so I think a lot of my, a lot of my journey has just been in like, oh my, like, what is, is this it? Is this it? You know? And and you see all these things online about kind of self-love being about bubble baths and candles and I don't know, doing like a lot of the, that, I don't know if you're familiar with the, that girl culture online. It's like, that not girl, really like, actually. Yeah, yeah. That girl, there's all of these videos. I think it used to be big a few years ago where it was like that girl's routine. Right. And so it was like these, I mean, they're always very young and beautiful, you know, <laughs> women. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, why who would you know? But but it's it's kind of them talking about like their amazing routine and how they're so happy and healthy and gorgeous and beautiful, you know. And so they wake up at that girl wakes up at five a.m. and that girl drinks tea and then that girl goes to the gym and then that girl like takes a shower with all of these products that you then want to buy, you know. And that mm -hmm. girl, right? So it's like, so I I was like, oh, there's a lot of people kind of telling us that, oh, that, that, that girl, that's self-love. But I was like, that doesn't really feel, feel right for me. And it was, it was only after I, I got into this, one of this 12 step programs. I mean, I'm in so many of them so good, but one of them is called Workaholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really for, for people, it's not necessarily only work, but it's really for people who their nervous system is has been so wired in their childhood that they just constantly try to get into overwhelm every day, right? Like that's their nervous system's MO or that's my nervous system's MO is just how can I get into overwhelm? And so for me, self-care was honestly just lying in bed, looking at the ceiling for hours in, in a day. Like walking on the beach was not self-care for me because I was yeah. just exhausted, right? And so so it, I think self-love has been, you know, they they, they show you, we get in the media, we get a lot of like, oh, the, the, the nice part of self-love, which is like, take a bubble bath, have brunch with your friends, you know, but, but you don't really get the image of like disappointing people and just being like, hey, I don't, 
I don't have the space for that. Like I, I have people who, who are in my family that I'm close to and they want to have a connection with me right now. And I just don't, in, in order to love myself, I just can't have that connection with them right now. I'm not ready for it. Um, yeah. So it's the ugly side, right? And so in the song, I kind of like self-love has made me a bit of a bitch because the person who stands up for themselves and says no is often like, oh, she's such a bitch. She's so selfish, right? Like that's the, that's generally the judgment that a person with self-love gets, right? But not yeah. like, you know, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. 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 And, and so when this kind of, uh, when this theme ties into your, um, your live show that you're doing in, uh, in LA, um, I have a couple of questions about that, but, but yeah. one piece, one piece is the, the comedy piece, because you, you said it's kind of a mix of music and comedy. How do you, uh, how do you, how do you express yourself in a comedic fashion? Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I just love this character called, called Sarah. And I'm just so mm -hmm. blessed that I brought on like a director who who kind of is is at Upright Citizens Brigade and also another writer on board to kind of help me craft the story. But um, I mean, how do I express? I don't know. I just so I just so enjoy embodying this character called Sarah, and she kind of talks like this, and she it's 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 just all about like how can how can i how can i use you how can how can i get what i want you know um so i don't really know how to i just yeah i i had what i had i started out with the songs and then i was like oh i really i really don't i was like oh i i want to tell a story with the songs like i really want i really want to kind of change change the dialogue we have about ourselves and about worthiness, you know, cause that's, that's a dialogue for me that's been so harmful. So I kind of want to change that. And I, I really wanted to create something that everybody, you know, everybody walks out of the show feeling like, Oh, I'm okay. Like I am just okay. Like it's totally fine to be me and to not go for the big things and to not be like, it's totally fine. I'm just okay as me. Right. And I can be joyful and free as me. Um, but I thought to myself, I was like, Oh, but if I, one of those preachy shows, it's going to be so friggin' boring. I don't want to do that to people. Yeah. Like that's going to be awful. And so I was just like, Oh, it'd be really fun to just create this truly awful character, which kind of lives in me anyway. Like every time I see a situation, part of my brain is like, oh man, that bitch deserved it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Part of, and part of me is like, no, 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 don't judge. Remember all the <laughs> mental health and recovery you've done, right? That's part of me, right? So yeah, so a lot of the comedy is just channeling her. Um, yeah, and then, and then, I mean, I've written like pages and pages and pages. And then of course have real comedic writers come in and be like, oh, actually, just rewrite everything because it's not that you know, <laughs> not that good, you know. <laughs> it's good to bring in other help, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So so grateful for um, Christopher Christopher Remfro and Alex Song. Both of them are really amazing. Um, and then and then beyond that, it's just I have I have a great friend of mine, Nanda uh, Teixeira, who's a Brazilian choreographer. We just have so much fun. But it's been really fun creating a show where the dancers also have roles because mm -hmm. kind of the story is that my character just mistreats and uses everybody. So it's kind of been interesting, you know, during 
like during the dance numbers, the dancers are actually trying to escape from me because they oh, don't yeah. want to dance for me. You know, so it's just like really, I don't know, really having so much fun with how awful, how awful this character is. And at the same time, she is just trying to be loved. Yeah. You know, there's like a deep, deep need behind all of her awfulness and her, like one of the things that happens in the show is she's like, okay, I know how to get loved. I'll just blow up on social media. And, um, and she's like, oh, she's like, my mom just died. This is great. I can film the eulogy. I can live stream it. It's going to be a huge thing. Right. And then, then she creates this dance number to perform at the funeral and like, <laughs> right. And so all of these things that are just like, wow, that's really, truly awful. Um, but yeah, but she just, she just does it out of this deep need. So I'm just really having a lot of fun with her character. Yeah. And do you see this as like a one-off show or do you see this as something you might take on tour? What do you, where do you kind of see this, this going? Yeah. I mean, the vision, the, the dream vision board vision is I'd love to build this into like a bigger show that I could tour. I'd love to, I don't know. I would love to make this into like a movie at some point, I think would be so amazing. Um, I, I shouldn't shake my head when I'm saying that I'd love to make this into a movie. <laughs> would be so awesome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really want, I'm really curious about Jennifer Lopez has this, has this film coming out, which looks like a little bit of a musical, but also her exploration of her relationships. And there's actually, there's some 12 step program involved in her movie too. So I'm really, I'm really curious to go and see that and, and get inspired. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, Speaking of movie, I mean, tell me about kind of the work that you've done um, in terms of, uh, well, it's not really a music, but uh, Crazy Rich Asians, right? And, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, tell me yeah. About that. So Crazy Rich Asians, I was introduced to them. Let me just make sure my computer stays charged. So I'm going to put the charger in. Um, so yeah, yeah, they, I think it was during their movie, the, the, the music department kind of approached me because I'd spent so long in China and they were like, Hey, we kind of, it was actually, was really funny. We kind of need to, um, we kind of need to make sure that this movie is, is, is kosher for Chinese audiences because a lot of Chinese audiences are going to see it. So can you help with the writing of some of the lyrics basically? So I was kind of on board as their consultant. I wrote the, I wrote the lyrics and demoed like their opening sequence. What is it? Was it one money? Something, some money, money. It was like that was the money song, right? And then the last sequence was really, um, yeah, the last sequence was really interesting because they had a song called uh, "Yellow" by by Coldplay. Oh yeah. But yellow, yellow in Chinese, and they were trying to find a translation of the song. Um, but yellow in Chinese is actually like a, a bad word. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so a lot of like, yeah, so a lot of my work was kind of, was kind of figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we have a translation that's true to the original, right? But also is, is, is true to how we want to portray this to an Asian audience. Yeah. So yeah, so that was really, that was, it was really interesting. Yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun work to kind of be sent like the movie, movie excerpts and kind of the, the, the rough edits and all of that was just really amazing. And then the, I mean, the movie in the end was just really awesome. 
Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So um, you have a song, uh, Leave Me on Red, and then you have Self Love, which also has like kind of that lyric in it. Is that it's kind of like a callback to Leave Me on yeah. Red, right? Interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of that when I was writing it, but that's cool. It's yeah. really cool. Might've been. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you referenced that. Uh, I mean, is that something that's uh, like a, a trigger for you in, in a sense, like, uh, or ha was it yeah. at a point, a point? Leave me on red. I love that. I love what you're reflecting because it's so, gosh, I mean, I think that's, that might be a good definition of integration because obviously yeah. leave me on red is something that was like, really did not vibe with me when people left me on red, but then in the self love song, like, oh, now I'm, I'm leaving people on red. So I yeah. understand it, you know, as like, I understand like, Hey, when you're, when you're trying to fulfill a need of, of peace and, and relaxation, or just a need for rest, like sometimes, sometimes you, yeah, you can't answer everybody, you know, or sometimes, or even in relationships, you know, when, I'm really trying to, I'm, I've been studying nonviolent communication the last few weeks a lot. So I'm just really trying to see things from the point of view of nonviolent communication, which is that even when people do awful things, it all comes from a need that needs to be met, right? And so, yeah, it's kind of the evolution of, of I guess, of myself as being like somebody that just could not deal with, with people ignoring me to somebody who actually understands that oh even even when a person in a relationship leaves me on red like oh maybe 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 they they have a need for safety you know maybe they're scared they're feeling vulnerable it's not the right time for them um yeah yeah, yeah. thanks for thanks for um yeah bringing that up yeah yeah for sure um uh, I mentioned I'm up in the, the Bay Area. You played in uh, like July, I think, uh, the Lost Church uh, last year. How was that show and what do you remember? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So I actually did not play that. It was a dear, dear oh. friend of mine who's also an awesome, amazing artist called MJoy. Oh, okay. And she, yeah. she, played, she played in that. So she is actually my friend who's based in, in Alameda and she does a oh, lot of got it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, but I can't, I mean, I, you know, if, if you wanted to make the connection, I'd love to connect you guys because she's such an amazing person. Sure, that's cool. Yeah, no, I have to check check her stuff out. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, tell me, what do you what do you see from uh, moving forward? What's twenty twenty four look uh, like for you? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "What's twenty twenty two looking like?" I'm like <laughs> it's I'm looking like, wait, in the past. Twenty twenty four is upon us. Um, <laughs> I mess up the year sometimes still, like when I'm writing, I still write 2023 and, you know, like. I know, yeah, yeah it's yeah, so but, weird. Yeah. Um, 2024, I think I really want to, so 2024, I'd love to, so I, this show that I'm doing in, at UCB next Monday is an audition for UCB. It's, mm -hmm. it's called the Spank Show. So fingers crossed they like the show and I could start yeah. doing the one hour version, which I am really grateful that I was only given a half an hour. Initially when they were like, oh, you get a half an hour. I was like, oh, boo, sucks, lame. Mm. And then I was like, oh my God, thank God. Because the amount of work that goes into producing a half an hour of content is like insane, yeah. insane, insane, insane. So I am so grateful. Um, but yeah, but but hopefully that goes well and, um, and I can start doing a one hour version of this show this year. And then, uh, and then I'd love to do I'd love to do an album. I'd love to write an album this year that's just for fun. That's just like oh, all of the 
all of the music that I'm like, so, you know, that I would be ashamed to say I love at like a musician's retreat, you know, just, yeah, write, I mean, yeah, write a cheesy K-pop style song, right? Like those, I don't know, just write all of the music that I, that I just really actually enjoy. Um, so we just really want to maybe just write an album called Just for Fun, you know, um, yeah. that actually, yeah. And then I think that'd be, that'd be, I'd be very grateful already if those things happen. So, yeah. And it's great. You know, I mean, it's positive, right? It's a kind of a progression from where you, where you were when you started yeah. writing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sex yeah. 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 No, I love it. Yeah. And uh, last question before we wrap, what, what was your favorite concert that you've ever been to? Oh, the Beyonce concert in Beijing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the Beyonce concert in Beijing. Um, that was so good. A friend, a friend of mine who got, who got tickets for us, um, he sent me a text and he's like, hey, uh, I, I, I got tickets. I got extra tickets to this Beyond concert. And there is a band in China called Beyond. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm not... I'm not too excited, but I'll go. I don't want to say no. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got there and it was like Beyonce. And I'm like, no! <laughs> You're like, they're playing a stadium and it's like, incredible, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just like, yeah. wow, this is a really big concert for Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And, oh my gosh, what a great stage setup they have. Eh? They yeah, have like Beyond is yeah. doing it. And then, and then she came on and I was like, oh my God. And then that was amazing. And then I got, um, God, I forget her name. Yeah, but that, that concert was just like amazing. Like when the same, and, and it was, and it's funny because in China they have all these regulations about you can't stand up at venues and all of these things. And like nobody, nobody listened. Nobody was it was just, it was just yeah. too good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Well, Ava, thank you for taking the, the time today. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thank uh, you so uh, much, Steve. Uh, yeah, and I wish you luck with the upcoming show and the uh, album release and uh, and everything that 2024 is going to hold. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. That was the interview with Ava King here on Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. I got a couple stories to wind out the program today uh, before we get out of here. Uh, so first up is uh, about Taylor Swift. And this is anything with Taylor Swift just put, rocks the world uh, anytime uh, anything happens, really. The world hears about it and is all knowing of everything that happens to Taylor Swift. Uh, she's currently um, at the Kansas City game um, right now at the time of this recording. Uh, her... Kansas City uh, team is uh, is winning uh, in the third quarter, and so she might be at the Super Bowl. Hmm, we'll see, uh, but that's not the story. The story is about her AI deepfakes, which um, there are AI pictures going around. Um, I will say I have not seen the AI pictures that are going around, but I'm aware of them and their existence. Um, nudes of Taylor Swift, AI, and uh, and everybody's up in arms. The the Swifties, most of all, uh, of course, in in protecting Taylor Swift. But I'm sure, but she is not happy about them. She is trying to take 
you know, like, I don't know, sue the internet or something over, over these the deep fake pictures. And, um, and the Microsoft's current CEO uh, said that they are alarming and terrible. We need to be informed, we need to be aware, and we need to figure out ways to protect our little ones. I assume she's talking about the little Swifties um, because Taylor Swift is not a little one. She's a grown woman who uh, is the most famous woman in the world. Um, but um, but it is it is concerning. Um, so there's a new AI filter which changes users' faces to look remarkably like Swift's, and it went viral. Uh, and uh, they, uh, a journalist for uh, for National Eating Disorder Association, uh, Danae Mercer, said the technology used here is only going to get exponentially smarter. If you have even even a little glimmer of hmm, that doesn't look like a real person, give it a year, give it a few months. I guess we're not too far away, uh, and we need to. Uh, our little ones are growing up in this strange, strange world. Um, okay, and Microsoft CEO uh, Satya uh, Nadella has raised further alarms. Uh, she said, first of all, absolutely, this is alarming and terrible. And so therefore, yes, we have to act. And quite frankly, all of us in the tech flat platform, irrespective of what you're standing on any particular issue is, I think we all benefit when the online world is safe. Uh, I'm I'm, I'll be honest, I'm just a little lost uh, about through the whole thing because I understand it's Taylor Swift and that make, takes it to a different level. But people have been photoshopping faces on other bodies and kind of making new uh, fake nude pictures. So, I mean, since you could photoshop pictures. Uh, so AI, maybe it looks more realistic. I'm not sure, but you can do some good job in Photoshop also that does look realistic. And it hasn't made waves like this. So I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying, but I am saying that I'm not sure why this is shaking the world in the, in the way that it is other than AI is a scary, dangerous place uh, to, to be, right? I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of value in, in it, but it kind of has a lot of risk uh, at the same time in, uh, in the technology. So, that's the Taylor Swift news. Uh, other music news, U2 is going to live stream a performance from the Las Vegas Sphere, which they apparently live at, uh, for the 2024 Grammys. It'll be the first ever official broadcast from the state-of-the-art venue. Uh, and they're going to present an award at next week's Grammys, all from the, the Sphere in Las Vegas. Uh, and the, the, the Sphere has been hosting the U2, UV, a Chung Baby show since the end of September due to rap on, on March 2nd. So a bunch of shows, U2, uh, you know, playing a bunch of shows there. The Grammys are taking place February 4th at the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. They're going to be hosted by Trevor Noah. Uh, nominees were announced already in November. Taylor Swift uh, is, uh, has some uh, nominations, but she doesn't actually have the most. SZA, S-Z-A, uh, is picking up the most nominations with nine, uh, but Olivia Rodrigo, Boy Genius, Miley Cyrus, John Batiste, uh, Billie Eilish, there's all competing uh, for, the, uh, for the record of the year category, and Victoria Monet as well. I uh, guess we'll see who wins that one. Hmm, and I guess might be Swift is my uh, prediction. Even though she, I think her album is a recreation of an album that is already out. It's just her taking back the versions, but even something that's a rerun from Taylor Swift, I mean, will probably win. That's my guess. Um, 
You two are said to be working on a new album. Uh, and in a November interview, Bono said that the record was somewhat tied to the medical status of Larry Mullen Jr., who has been recovering from neck surgery and pulled out playing the Las Vegas residency. So I guess that's in limbo as well. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk ab uh, about a band that I actually saw open for you two uh, many years ago in 2001, No Doubt. Uh, no Doubt is reuniting um, Gwen Stefani, uh, Tony, uh, Adrian, and, uh, and um, Tony, Adrian, and Tom. Uh, uh, are, they are all reuniting at Coachella and Gwen Stefani commented on the reunion. She said it just happened so fast. It's going to be their first live show since 2015, which I believe is the year that they played Bottle Rock in Napa. And I had press passes to that fest the festival that year. We were covering all three days uh, uh, and decided not to go on the No Doubt Day, which was a difficult decision for me because I was a No Doubt fan. Um, I was... I, you know, loved Gwen Stefani. I had a major crush on her, uh, and uh, and you know, and the music I was totally into. I saw them a number of times. It was it would have been great to see them again, but I do not regret not going to that show, even though it was the last time I'd get to see them, maybe ever. Uh, but because I, I got to work with a, a friend on and prepare for an interview for which ultimately got me a promotion uh, at work. So. No regrets on not going, though I wish I could have been in both places at once sort of thing, because, uh, yeah, no chance to see No Doubt again after that. Uh, so they made a video, uh, a little teaser, where uh, she got all uh, the other band members on, uh, like, a Zoom, and they uh, were just saying, hey, why don't we hang out anymore? We should hang out sometime. Okay, uh, yeah, we should play a show. Okay, yeah, let's play a show. And then they didn't announce what the show was until Coachella dropped their lineup with the whole lineup and then and then at the bottom, and no doubt. Uh, so they're pretty excited that they're going to be having no doubt at, uh, at, uh, at Coachella. But Sublime is going to be playing uh, Lana Del Rey, Tyler, the creator, and Doja Cat, a bunch of other artists, many of which I have no idea who they are. Uh, we talked about football a little bit. Um, Journey is going to rock the 49ers versus Lions NFC Championship half game halftime show, which the game is starting in uh, very shortly now. I'll have to uh, check that out um, and see how Journey does at the halftime show uh, as well. So it's been great to see the 49ers up to this point, hoping they pull out a win against the Lions. Uh, and uh, we'll see what Journey uh, plays for the for the halftime show as well there obviously from San Francisco and uh, and then announced last minute that they're going to be playing. Uh, so that's a, that's a big pull for, um, for the, uh, for the game at Levi stadium. Um, and they said they're thrilled to be back on the road in 2024 with so many good friends as part of the tour. Uh, no matter which city you come to, it'll be an amazing night of music. They're going to be hitting San Francisco again uh, at Oracle park uh, with Steve Miller band on uh, August 28th, so much later this year, if you weren't able to make it on short notice to the San Francisco 49ers game, tickets to that were very, very expensive. I just enjoyed looking at how expensive they were. And the nosebleeds up where uh, uh, at the top being like $500 sort of thing. So um, that is journey news. And then uh, since we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks, I wanted to comment on this story, which is Green Day. 
uh, and uh, their plans for their upcoming tour, their stadium tour that they're doing, they're going to be playing Dookie in its entirety every night. And they're going to be playing American Idiot in its entirety every night. And on top of that, bunch of hits that weren't on either of those two albums um, and some new stuff off their, uh, their album Saviors that just came out, which I will say this. Uh, I've listened to Saviors a couple of times. I need to give it some more listens, but uh, but it's my favorite Green Day album in at least four albums. Uh, the last four that I can remember, not very good. Uno, Dos, Trey, whatever the most recent one is that has too much reverb. This is Green Day getting back to their roots a bit, in a bit, uh, in a sense, back to when they were around Warning and American Idiot and and, uh, and that sort of thing. It's it's a solid album, and I want to see them live, but I do not want to spend a half a grand on a, a ticket to see them live. So I'm at this really tough impasse where I don't know if I'm going to make it to the show, but I hope I find a way to get in and or and justify the cost. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that is. But uh, but Mike Durant told Rolling Stone, what a fucking moment it's going to be. We've never done anything like this before. And there's a really good chance we'll never do it again. I mean, what? They're going to do it in 10 years uh, when, uh, I mean, when Dookie, I mean, it's the uh, 30th anniversary of Dookie and the 20th anniversary of American Idiot, both very, very um, uh, popular, influential albums and uh, in Green Day's history. And so they're kind of making a mark at, uh, with this tour. I, I don't know that they will do it again. So I think it's something that you kind of want to be there for if you're a Green Day fan. And I was and can see myself being again a Green Day fan and can see myself having a great time at that show. I've found myself in the past challenged with situations like this where um, many years before I uh, saw an artist in a really intimate setting or uh, I was very close to a, a concert like um, let's take Tom Petty for example uh, I in 05 and 06 I saw Tom Petty uh, at the Greek theater in Berkeley and I was closer than front row in the photo pit for the whole set uh, and then he played Bottle Rock and I uh, I saw him at Bottle Rock but I was way back uh, and then I didn't stay for the whole set I think it was my birthday uh, I left halfway through his set and went to a friend's house and and I kicked myself because then a couple of months later he died and that that's a bummer. And Green Day, I can see kind of being the same sort of thing where I saw them at the same place where they're playing in San Francisco, the Oracle uh, or ATT Park or whatever it's called now. And, um, and I saw them and I was like two people back. Uh, I mean, I even got a Flogging Molly set list when Flogging Molly opened the show uh, and lost it. Uh, <laughs> during the course of the same show but so I was that close and there's no way I can afford the $900 tickets for to see or want to pay I mean I could do it if I wanted to but I don't want to pay that much for a Green Day show uh, but this one is going to be special so what do I do uh, I don't know I got to figure that out we got some time uh, all right that's our show for today thank you for tuning in it's good to be back uh, and uh, I don't know if we'll have a show next week, but I'm in the works with uh, uh, setting up an interview with Martin Barr uh, of uh, Jethro Tull fame. He's got a tour coming up uh, where he's going to be playing, I think, exclusively Tull songs. Uh, so I might be interviewing him. I don't know when that's going to be, but that would, my guess is he would probably be the next guest on uh, Concert Pipeline. So for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.